This morning we're looking at, particularly at James uh, chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. But I'll begin reading uh, at the beginning of the chapter, James 1, verse 1, reading through verse 8. Listen now to the reading, once again, of God's holy word. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let's seek the Lord's blessing on this, His Word. <clears throat> o gracious God in heaven, we, we again praise You and thank You for the gift that You've given to us in Your Word, that it is our only infallible rule for faith and life. And as we come to this passage and as we consider this, uh, this uh, important truth, we need to find wisdom in You. Father, we pray that you would, by the power of your Spirit, give us insight and understanding of this, these verses and this, this passage, that we might truly be faithful and equipped to be those faithful servants for your glory. And so we ask now for your blessing upon your word. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Well, what if God said to you, ask me for anything you want, and I will give it to you. No strings attached, just whatever you want. Ask, and you shall receive. What would you ask for? Would you ask for world peace? Would you ask for the end of pain and, and suffering in the world? Maybe the end of, of poverty and disease? Would you ask for those things? Maybe you're thinking less globally and more locally. Maybe long life with good health. Maybe a, a bigger house, a better job, or wealth, or, good, or even just a, a good future for your children. What would you ask for? Well, this very hypothetical situation wasn't so hypothetical for the young King Solomon who, who reigned in ancient Israel after his father David. God came to him and asked him this very question. Of all the things that he could have asked for, though, Solomon... Asked for wisdom. In Second Chronicles 1, verses 9 and 10, we read, Now, O Lord God, let your promise 
To David my father be established, for you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth and multitude. Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this great people of yours? That was Solomon's request. And of course, as we know, in response, God gave Solomon not only wisdom that surpassed the the wisdom of anyone before him or after him, but he also richly blessed Solomon with the things that he didn't ask for, like riches, wealth, and honor. But for Solomon, at least at this point in his life, for Solomon, wisdom was what was most desirable. And he would write then in Proverbs 3.13, Happy is the man, or blessed is the man, who finds wisdom, and the man who gains understanding. Friends, wisdom is still of great value and worth. It's still a great blessing to those who would seek it and who would find it. And we see that in our passage before us this morning. As James tells us, not only of our, of our need for wisdom, but he also shows us where we can get it and how we're to get it. And so first we want to consider, well, what's wisdom? We use this word, what does it mean? Well, it's important, first of all, to understand that wisdom isn't the same thing as knowledge. Right? Knowledge is information and can be gained by, by reading, studying, and learning. Knowledge is helpful. It's even necessary. We need to have knowledge about things. But knowledge, and having knowledge, isn't wisdom. Wisdom is knowing how to properly apply the knowledge that you have to the particular situations in which you may find yourselves in. And so just because you know everything that there is to know about a particular subject doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be wise. You can know all that there is to know about boats. You can know all the different kinds of boats and and all the things that you need to to make a boat and all the different structures of a boat. But you may not necessarily have the wisdom to know how to handle a rough storm when you're in a boat out on the wide open sea. That takes wisdom. See, knowledge informs you about life, but wisdom informs you how to live life. But when it comes to wisdom, the Bible makes a distinction between the wisdom of the world and and what we might call godly wisdom. And oftentimes what we what the world thinks is wise is foolishness to God. And of course, it seems to be the other way around as well, that what God says is wise the wise, the world laughs at and scorns as foolishness. Paul talks about that in Second Corinthians regarding the preaching of the word. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the truth of God and salvation. And so here, the wisdom, of course, that 
that James is speaking of, and he's going to make later in chapter 3, he'll make that distinction between uh, godly wisdom and worldly wisdom. But here, of course, he's speaking of the, the godly wisdom. And this wisdom is, again, not just knowledge about God and His Word, but it's the ability to use that knowledge to discern and carry out the will of God in your life. Godly wisdom is a true blessed gift, even, again, as Solomon acknowledged. It's more valuable than fine gold and silver. Wisdom, godly wisdom, Solomon says in Proverbs 3.18, is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. So such wisdom is a key to, to life and to a fruitful life. And this is exactly why we need wisdom and why we should diligently pursue and even ask for wisdom as James is urging here. Now some read the book of James and they find it a little bit hard to, to follow. Because it seems though, as though James jumps around from one subject uh, to another. Right? James had been just talking about enduring trials, and now all of a sudden, he's talking about wisdom. And at first, it doesn't seem like there's any connection, but, but there really is a connection. Look at what James says back in verse 4. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Right? Trials and the testing of our faith, as we considered uh, last time, produces patience. And if we let that patience have its perfect work in us, then we know that we'll be made perfect and complete, lacking nothing in Christ. That's important to acknowledge, right? That we haven't gotten there yet. We haven't been made perfect and complete, for there's much that we still lack. And so this is why James begins, verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. See, James knows his readers haven't arrived. He hasn't arrived, and, and certainly we ourselves haven't arrived at perfection. One of the great things that we still lack is wisdom. Pure, Christ-centered, godly wisdom. But friends, the good news is, we can have it if we would just ask for it. Now, certainly there are many other things that we need, and so we may wonder, well, why does James single out wisdom in particular? Well, one key reason, given what has just come before this, is that we need wisdom to be able to understand our trials and the testing of our faith. Right? Remember, trials are, are hard. We don't like them, and we try to avoid them if we can. But remember the challenge that James makes earlier in, chapter, in verse 2, to count it all joy when you face fall into various trials. Well, you're not going to be able to find joy in the midst of your trials if you don't have this godly wisdom. Wisdom to know that God is sovereign over all things and that because He's a good and perfect God, well then we can then trust Him to work out these trials for our ultimate good and for His glory. Related to this, we need wisdom to discern God's purpose for our trials. Right? In the midst of pain and suffering, we're 
We're so quick to cry out, Lord, help me and, and deliver me from this. When is this a time of suffering going to end? Right? We want it to end quickly. Because the pain and the suffering is so unbearable. We want it over with as soon as possible. But what if we sought wisdom in the midst of our trials and instead of complaining about them, we simply ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to learn from all this? From this trial that I'm enduring? Lord, give me wisdom so that I can understand better what you're doing in my life and how you want me to grow through this difficult time that I'm enduring so that I can be more like Christ. Help me to understand. Give me the wisdom to understand this trial and the purpose that you have for me in this trial. Indeed, if we sought such wisdom, I dare say, we would have no problem finding the joy that God desires us to have, even in the midst of our trials and suffering. We also need wisdom to discern, perhaps, if there's some duty that God is requiring of us during these kinds of trials, right? Are there things in your life that need to be examined or changed? Is there some sin that you haven't yet confessed? Or is there some situation that you haven't yet rectified with your brother or sister in Christ? We need wisdom in order to discern how we're to obey God and how we're to follow His lead. We also need wisdom to know how we can use our present trial, not only for our good and God's glory, but also for the good of others. And Hebrews 2, the writer to the Hebrews tells us that because Jesus was tempted and, and suffered on our behalf, well, that He is now able to give us the help and aid during our time of need, right? Because Jesus endured these trials and, and suffering. Well, now He's equipped to give us help during our times of trial and suffering. But this comfort that we receive from Christ in the midst of our trials and affliction, it has an even greater purpose. Paul declares in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 4, saying, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. When we endure trials and, and the testing of our faith, we're actually becoming equipped to then be able to minister to others and, and to bring them the same comfort that Christ has brought to us during that difficult time. We endure a particular tragedy in our lives and we, we get through it and God has graciously strengthened us and encouraged us to endure through it. Well, you know what? We're now better equipped to be able to assist and comfort someone who's going through a similar trial. We can better identify with them even as Christ has identified with us. Now, this isn't easy. And certainly in the heat of the moment, right, when we're, when we're enduring these trials ourselves, 
we're typically not looking that far ahead down the road. But that's precisely why we need wisdom. Right? To not only see this, this time to an end, but also to see the purpose to be able to actually carry out and to do this ministry when the time comes, when the Lord presents it to us. And so again, wisdom is needed. And it helps to equip us for future ministry. We don't often think about it at the time, but it certainly is one of the purposes that God allows us to go through these times of trial and suffering so that we can then identify with others and comfort them in the same way that Christ has identified with us and has comforted us. And it truly becomes a great witness to them of the glorious power of God's gospel, of the gospel of Christ. And so wisdom is needed. But we also need godly wisdom for other areas of our lives, right? Not just during those times of trial and suffering. We need wisdom at other times. Um, for example, how do you discern God's will? For our lives, it's a common question that people have, especially young people as they're growing old, thinking about their future. What's God's will for my life? Well, God provides the wisdom to help us discern these things. How do you make decisions about education, about your career, about who to marry, about your family? We need God's wisdom. And thankfully, He's given us His word in order to lead us and guide us. But again, we still need to seek the wisdom from God to ask in, in prayer for the wisdom as we study His Word in order to apply His Word to our lives. Consider what Solomon says in Proverbs 2. Especially note the different terms that he uses to describe wisdom and how it's able to help us. Proverbs 2 verse 10. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things. So wisdom, knowledge, discretion, understanding, all these are needed so that we might know how to turn away from evil and how to pursue holiness, righteousness, and truth all to the glory of God in our lives. Wisdom will lead us in the way that we should go. And so we should then pursue that wisdom diligently in our lives. But how? Where do we start? Well, James puts it quite simply here. Ask God. We should simply go to God in prayer and ask Him to give us wisdom. We ask God... Again, because God is the source of all true wisdom. We know that wisdom is one of God's attributes. In Job 12, we read this, For uh, with Him are wisdom and strength. He has counsel and understanding. Right? God is alone most wise. He not only knows everything, but He's most wise. He's most wise in how He applies His perfect all-knowing knowledge. Well, this then means that God's plan is always a perfect plan. It's always the best plan. 
And it's a plan that will always bring about our highest good and His greatest glory. It may not seem like that to us at times, especially during times of trial and suffering, but we know that according to the promise in Romans 8, that right, all things work out to the good for those who love God, who have been called according to His purpose. All things includes everything. Nothing is excluded. Because God is a sovereign God. He's an all-knowing God. And He's a most wise God. His plan is always the perfect plan. And because God Himself is most wise, well, the wisdom ultimately belongs to Him. Right? True wisdom is going to be God's wisdom. And He dispenses this wisdom when, when and where He pleases and to whom, whoever asks Him. And this is uh, the prophet Daniel prayed this prayer in, in Daniel chapter 2, <clears throat> verse 20. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His. And He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with Him. That God is most wise and He's the source of wisdom and He freely desires to give that wisdom when we ask. And so then it's quite simple. And if you want wisdom, and if you lack wisdom, well then ask God for that wisdom. And the first step in asking God is acknowledging, of course, that, that He is God. That He is the sovereign creator of, of heaven and earth. That He is God Almighty. That He is God Omniscient. That He is God Most Wise. And that we're just mere creatures. And again, having a reverence for God is critical. Again, Solomon tells us that this is the reverential fear that's the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You have to acknowledge who God is as we come to Him and ask for wisdom. The first step to acquiring it is humbly acknowledging that we don't have wisdom, but God does. And so if we want it, we have to ask Him for it. And if we ask, well, then God is ready and willing to give us wisdom and to bless us beyond what we could possibly imagine. As James makes very clear here, he says we're to ask of God who gives to all liberally and freely and without reproach. God is most generous, especially when it comes to giving out wisdom. And remember how generous God was with Solomon who humbly asked him for wisdom so that he might be a good and effective ruler over Israel. And again, God richly blessed Solomon. 1 Kings 4, verse 29, And God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart like the sand of the seashore. Thus Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the men of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all men, than Ethan the Ezrahite, and Heman, Chalcol, and Darda, the sons of Mahal. And his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. Also he spoke of trees from the cedar tree of Lebanon, even to the hyssop that springs out of the wall." He spoke also of animals, of birds, of creeping things, and of fish. 
and men of all nations from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And of course you remember the account of the Queen of Sheba coming uh, all the way from uh, you know, down in Central Africa and coming to, uh, to hear because she heard about this wisdom of Solomon. And then of course her final report was it was even beyond what she had heard in the reports. She was so amazed by the wisdom that God had granted to Solomon. Well, beloved of God, this is the same God. Right? Who through James is now calling, is the same God who, who blessed uh, Solomon with great uh, an abundance of wisdom. It's the same God who now through James and through the, through the Word of God is calling us to ask Him for wisdom when we're in need of it in our own lives. If we ask, He'll surely give it, and abundantly so, because He's the most generous God. He freely gives us wisdom because He wants us to discern His will. He wants us to understand more about Him. He wants us to understand more about the world and His purpose for us. He wants us to live lives that are marked by wisdom, grace, and truth so that we might walk in the image of His perfect Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. His friends, it's in Jesus that we know that the wisdom of God was most fully revealed. And if God, because of His great love for us and out of His overflowing generosity toward us, if He didn't withhold from us the great gift of salvation, secured when His own Son was put to the death on the cross for our sins, right? God didn't spare His own Son, but gave us this great glorious gift of salvation. If He didn't withhold that wonderful gift from us, Friends, He will not withhold from us the gift of wisdom when we ask Him for it. He's already given us the greatest thing in Christ Jesus. He will not withhold from us wisdom. And this is true even if we repeatedly come to Him and ask for wisdom in this situation or that. God will give wisdom to us generously without reproach, as James says here. Without reproach means that God doesn't give grudgingly. He doesn't tire of giving. He won't scold and chide us if we repeatedly come to Him and ask Him for wisdom over and over and over again, even if it's in the same situation we find ourselves in. Lord, give me wisdom because I'm facing this situation. And then a couple weeks later, you're in the same situation. Lord, please give me wisdom. He doesn't tire of us coming to Him, asking us for these things. This was the lesson that Jesus sought to teach in the parable of the the widow and the unjust judge. Right? She she repeatedly kept coming and coming. Finally, the judge just said, "Okay, I'll give you what you ask." Not because he was a good judge, but because she was persistent. And and Jesus calls his disciples to be persistent when you come to the Lord in prayer. He ends that whole episode with the the parable there by saying this in Luke 18, And shall God not avenge His own elect who cry out day and night to Him, though He bears long with, with them? So God will hear and answer our prayer for wisdom. But we need to persist in asking. And if we persist, 
we don't have to fear that God will grow tired of us. Again, Jesus seeks to instruct his disciples in this very truth in, in Luke 11. It says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. And if a son asks for a bread from a, any father among you, will give, who, who will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The God who is perfect, and He is a most wise Heavenly Father, will give us the perfect gift of wisdom when we ask at the time that we need it, as often as we need it. And this is a great blessing that James is asserting here. We need wisdom. We need wisdom to understand our trials and wisdom to live our lives according to God's will. God alone is the source of that wisdom that we need. And He's most generous and in fact greatly desires to give us the wisdom that we need. And all we need to do is ask Him for it. And we'll receive it. But there is one key condition to our asking God for wisdom. James goes on to say here in verses 6 through 8, But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. The condition is that we have to ask in faith, without doubting. Now, this may seem like a statement of the obvious. Of course we have to ask in faith, right? That's the whole point, isn't it? I mean, if we believe in God and, and in Jesus Christ and in the gospel of salvation that Christ came to accomplish, well, then we have faith, right? That's a basic truth. And, of course, if we didn't have faith, if we didn't believe in Christ, well, it's likely we wouldn't be praying, would we? There are plenty of people who don't pray. Right? Even you, you, any more of these days, you, you know, type on social media, you know, praying for you, and people get upset about your praying. Doesn't do any good. A lot of people who don't pray. They think it's religious nonsense. They, they liken it to uh, sending a letter to someone without addressing the envelope. Right? It's kind of pointless because you're sending it and it's never going to be delivered because it's not going to be... There's no address on it. Well, people like that, of course, don't have saving faith. But, James isn't talking about those people. He's not questioning whether those he's writing to have saving faith. Remember, he's writing to Jewish Christians scattered about because of exile, because of persecution. And his concern isn't that they're unbelievers who are trying to pray. No, they're Christians. They're true believers. And yet, James is well aware that even faithful Christians may at times be tempted to doubt. And of course, this is especially true when they're facing trials and difficult times of persecution in their lives. 
Isn't that course at the times? When you're at the, the lowest point in your life, when you feel it's the lowest point, you feel like you're under attack, you feel like uh, everything in your life is, is going wrong, right? Isn't that when the time when you struggle with, with doubts the most in your lives? Doubting perhaps the promises of God's Word or the, the perfection of His character or just wondering whether He really is in control of all things? Because as you're looking at your life and what's going on, it seems like your, your life is so filled with chaos and confusion. Do you ever struggle with the goodness of God's purpose or His plan because you simply don't understand what's going on? And you can't see any possible good that could possibly come from the situation in which you're, that you're enduring. Well, these can be some of the doubts that we struggle with. And perhaps there are some of you even here today who are struggling with these kinds of questions and doubts because of what's, you're going, what you're, what's going on in your lives. Now, does it mean that you're not a true believer in Jesus Christ? Does it mean that you have no faith? Well, no, not, not necessarily. I mean, maybe it, it is. But it's not a total equation. But what it does mean is that you lack what? Wisdom. You lack wisdom. And this is precisely the time when we need wisdom to combat this temptation that and doubt and the questions that God and when we have these questions of God's goodness and his purpose. And so when we pray to God at such times, asking for wisdom, we need to hold firm. We need to hold firm to the anchor of our hope and our faith in Christ. And we need to hold fast. We need to cling with every fiber of our being to the promises and to the truth of God's word and to the perfection of God's character that we know to be true. Right? Don't let our emo- your emotions get, sway you away and, and get you caught up in the storm of doubts. Stick to what you know is true, what God has revealed in His Word. Cling to it. Hold it fast. We need to pray then with the confidence that God won't only hear our prayers, but He's going to answer them with an outpouring of wisdom to lead us and guide us in our lives. That's what we know to be true. This is what James is saying. This is what God, through James, is saying. That the Spirit put these words here for James to write to these people at a particular time. And now He's speaking to us through these very same words. If you lack wisdom, then look to God and ask Him for it. Don't doubt. Cling to what you know to be true. But then pray to God for the wisdom to understand. That's His promise. That's His plan to to work at all things for our good and His glory. And it will truly happen. We can expect it to happen. Because the anchor of our hope is our faith in Christ Jesus. And God's great love for us as revealed to us in His Word. God doesn't lie. God doesn't change. And so we trust Him. You see, if we allow our doubts to gain a foothold, if we allow those emotions to take over, 
we begin to wonder whether we're so far gone that God has maybe given up on us. If we doubt His goodness and fear, we might fear that He might just kind of strike us, strike us down in rage. Because we're coming to Him again with the same prayer for the millionth time about the very same thing. If we doubt that God is truly sovereign and that He's really unable to help us, then the danger is that when we go to God in prayer, we may very well not get a response to our prayer. In fact, James puts it more strongly here in verse 7. Let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Now, while it's true that God in His rich grace and mercy may answer your prayer anyway, clearly, if you're going to pray in doubt about whether God can deliver, well, then you really shouldn't expect that He's going to answer you. Because on what grounds can you claim an answer? And if you doubt, you have no grounds to stand on. There are none because your heart is divided which is the the literal meaning of the word doubt here. And Jesus warned that a house divided against itself cannot stand. The one who doubts has no foundation to stand on. And James here goes on to use a metaphor of being tossed this way and that on the ways of the sea. There's, There's no stability. The one who doubts is always rolling this way and or rolling that way. They're unsure about the promises of, of God's truth and of His Word. They've let go of the anchor of hope. And they're being adrift in this treacherous ways of the ocean. And they're being tossed back and forth. James makes this point even clearer when he says that such a person is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. It's unstable because there's no anchor that he's holding on to. Again, it's a metaphor of the heart that the heart is divided. Perhaps his loyalties are divided. He wants to believe in God and trust in Him to provide wisdom. But another part of him is saying, well look, that's pointless. You know, if you want something, you have to go and you have to do it for yourself. You can't depend on God. You have to trust yourself. You have to trust your own instincts. You have to trust your own heart. Besides, look at all the trouble that trusting in God has gotten you in. Why are you crying out to the Lord? And so there are the seeds of doubt that begin to settle in. And so the heart is divided. It's unpredictable. And as Jesus warned, you can't serve Two masters. Because sooner or later you're going to despise one over the other. And beloved of God, the master you serve isn't the one true living God in Jesus Christ. Then his wisdom, the only true wisdom, will surely escape you. And God will not answer. Or you ought not to expect that God will not answer that prayer. So brothers and sisters, when you approach God in the midst of trials and struggles or just in the midst of just trying to figure out life, when you approach God and ask Him for wisdom, you need to come to Him 
with an undivided heart. A heart that is firmly anchored in hope and faith, even if it's being currently battered around by doubts that are attempting to get a foothold in your life. If Satan is throwing all these doubts at you in order to to disrupt you and to try to break you loose, cling to what you know to be true, to what we find in the very Word of God. You need to come to God with a whole heart fixed on Him and on your Lord Jesus Christ, who is the perfection of God's glorious wisdom. And if you ask in faith, you can then know with all certainty that the very wisdom that you seek is going to be given to you so that you can pursue God's glory in how you live your lives. Whether it's through difficult times or exciting times, but you can pursue the glory of God because you have the wisdom that God graciously and abundantly gives to you. And you can have that today and every day, forever and ever and ever, to the glory of God alone. Let's pray. <clears throat> oh, gracious God and Heavenly Father, we, we do praise You and thank You for the truth of Your Word and especially this reminder because we find ourselves, perhaps even daily, but off certainly regularly in the midst of trials and suffering. It's all around us because we're sinners, surrounded by sinners, living in a fallen and sinful world. And we need wisdom. Every single day we need wisdom. Lord, we pray that we would be faithful to come to you, to seek you out for that wisdom. That you would remind us of what we know to be true. But that your spirit, as we seek that wisdom, would enable us to apply what we know to the particular situation that we're in. That we would have understanding. That we would see your plan and your purpose in it all that we would see how you are preparing and equipping us for future ministry to serve and minister to others. That we might see how you are using these difficult times to truly form and fashion us into the perfect image of your Son, Jesus Christ, which is our ultimate desire and our ultimate goal. Father, we just thank you We know that as we come before you looking for wisdom that you will be gracious and abundant and just liberally giving us this wisdom that we need. But Father, we just pray also that you would guard our hearts from doubts, from the evil one who tries to shake us up and to break us away from the anchor of our hope and salvation in Christ. That would be mindful of those things. And that we would always ask in faith. Looking to you. So that we might ultimately then bring glory to your name. Father we just pray that your spirit would be applying these truths to each of our hearts. Drawing us all closer to yourself. That you would be equipping us. That we might be faithful witnesses that we might truly glorify your name. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.